Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need, when you need it, with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. (laughs) That's right. We do know how to talk. We do know how to talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Aaron Dignan, and earlier this year, I released a book called Brave New Work. It's a sort of playbook for eliminating bureaucracy and introducing a new way of working. And I have to say, one of the most frustrating things about writing a book, and there were many, um, is that it can only be so long. And as I was editing, it occurred to me that 3,000 words on structure, on authority, or mastery was never going to be enough. Um, I just had more to say. There was more to explore. The reality of this stuff is just more rich and complex than even I ever expected. Um, And that's when my co-host and business partner, Rodney Evans, and I had the idea for a podcast. It's kind of our chance to go deep with you and some of the leading minds in our space on what the future of work looks like in action. But before we jump into our weekly rhythm of episodes and guests, we wanted to take a moment to introduce the show and ourselves so you know what you're getting yourself into. So Rodney, welcome to the show. Hi, Aaron. I wanted to start with a question about you. So who are you? Why are you here? Why did you agree to do this with me? (laughs) I ask myself that every time. Uh, (laughs) I... I'm Rodney Evans, and I am a practitioner of organizational design and have been for coming upon two decades, which is hard to imagine, you know, given how young (laughs) I look. And uh, I stumbled backwards into this work about 10 years ago, having been trained in and done all of the traditional forms of change management, being deeply frustrated with doing all the moves that I was told to do and not seeing any of the outcomes that I hoped to see. And uh, through working at my prior company, McChrystal Group, doing a lot of research for the book Team of Teams, just found my way into the future of work. What was a reason for you to come and start the work of doing a podcast? Over the last bunch of years of working together, We've had a lot of moments where we've been in a really interesting conversation about the work that we do and the people we interact with. Sometimes those conversations have been overheard by our uh, colleagues and teammates and clients. <laughs> our long-suffering just, colleagues. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, is this brilliant or would you shut up? Um, and we just thought, why not start to record that? Because we think about it and we talk about it in ways that are engaging and entertaining to us all the time. And it feels like doing this work inside of companies, uh, while valuable and effective, is also not particularly scalable. And so it's interesting to think about what conversations we could have that could arm people to start making their own shifts and their own changes in less formal ways. That's exactly it. Yeah. For me, the, the big idea was, how do we get a little deeper into the real shit? 
Like, yeah. we, you know, the book had to kind of be a summary of a whole body of work. I mean, right. you know, there are 400 books behind me that you can see um, that that we had to sort of encapsulate. But then people come and they ask questions like, all right, hey, that's great, but now we have to fix our travel policy or now we're having a governance meeting or now we have to do, you know, role mix work and we just don't know how to do it. And there's so few examples out there um, that are, you know, doing this work in a different way. And of those, very few really telling the story. And so I thought it would be cool to come and take what the ready is doing in our own experimentation, making ourselves a guinea pig, combine that with stories from some of our clients, some of our friends in the industry that you don't always hear from as much, and just go a layer deeper on this whole future of work thing. What is it and what does it look like in practice? And what does it mean to do the hard work of realizing it? Yeah. And I don't know about you, but doing this work is really challenging. Like it's intellectually <laughs> challenging. It's emotionally challenging. I would say starting a project is like being at the bottom of a mountain and just being like, oh, I'm going to carry all of your shit up this mountain. Uh, but then the reason at least that I keep doing it is because you have all of these moments when you work in a transformation project where things just start to shift and things start to change. And you sit in a group of people who make a decision in a different way or who have a meeting in a different way or who come to a strategy in a way they've not before. And you're like, oh, right, this is why I do this, even though it's hard. And in those moments, I always think, I wish everyone on earth could hear this conversation. And so this is just an opportunity for us to have those conversations with the people who we've been in those rooms with and be able to share it more broadly. Because you know, it's it's great to read books and it's great to hear theorists and it's great to get really excited about the future of work and to sort of admire the mess that we've made of our corporate systems. But it's a different thing to open up the conversation and be like, when does the clarity land? When does the shift happen? When does something essential change inside your operating system? So I want to roll the clock back for a second and just describe for people what a project even is. So the Ready is a firm that you may or may not have heard of or spent time with, but effectively we go out and embed inside organizations of a variety of sizes and shapes around the world who want to move away from bureaucracy, who want to have more adaptive and human ways of working present in their system. And maybe just say a few words, Rodney, about how we actually do that work so that as people are listening, they can kind of imagine being there alongside us. Yeah. I'm going to say both what we do and more importantly, what we don't do. So the way a lot of organizations approach change is in a more traditional, more top-down, more controlled way where they think- Gantt chart anybody? Yeah, let's make a fucking Gantt chart and let's make a communications plan and let's win hearts and minds and all of the other nonsense that we know doesn't really work. Our model for transformation is much more about insurgency and about energy. So when someone hires us, it's usually someone who has a P&L and has a domain that they can let us play in. Our move is to initially just start chumming the water a bit. So we start (laughs) priming swaths of the organization with new practices, with new ideas. And that's just to create enough awareness and find out where our people are in the system. It's an invitation. It's an invitation because what I never want to do and, you know, clients always say, 
You go in, you meet with the highest paid person. They say, this is the part of the organization that's a shit show. Go fix it. And it's like, if that shit show doesn't want to be fixed, that's not a great place to start, probably. Um, so we we start with that invitation, see who takes us up on it. And then our work then is to help the willing to figure out what agency they have to address an organizational tension they feel and to create a contained experiment to begin to address it. Once we understand what the experiment is that they want to run, then we have an opportunity to help them run it and learn new ways of working as they do so. I love that way of describing it. And this thing that I've been railing on about lately online and in speeches is teaching teams to do a radical thing at a non-radical scale yeah. as opposed to the opposite. Because the opposite right. is what we always do, which is a non-radical thing at a radical scale. So let's do <laughs> yet another reorg in yet another org chart, push out the PowerPoint to everybody. And yeah. so we're doing this really incremental thing, but we're really just like polishing the deck chairs on our yacht that's slowly taking on water. And instead, it's like, no, 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 do a radical thing at a non-radical scale. Take a team or a team of teams or a PL or a function and really change how they think about transparency or autonomy and freedom and the responsibility that they have to each other and how they grow and develop. Really change the system in a way where it's like, wow, if this works, it will be profound. And if it doesn't work, it's small enough that it's okay. Like it's not going to kill the yeah. firm. So we have that ability to kind of really push the envelope, but we're doing it in a somewhat disciplined way. And as long as the container that we choose, the boundary that we set is big enough that that group can really produce value and outcomes, right. then it's good enough. And I think we can, you know, we can start that, that process. Right. And one of the things that happens in most projects, I'm experiencing this right now, is a lot of those smaller moves get questioned. It's like, this doesn't feel like a big enough swing or this doesn't feel like a grand enough plan. But doing hundreds of small moves is what actually starts to shift an entire complex system. Having one brilliant, well-researched, million-dollar PowerPoint that a consultancy sells you does not do shit inside of your company. But changing how you tool, how you meet, how you make strategy, basically changing the containers inside which you do all of your work, that's the move. How you work is the move. The actual content of the work that we spend 90% of our focus on doesn't get us very far. So for us, that focus and that experimentation with ways of working and with solving old problems in new ways is just building habit and routinizing the idea of continually experimenting with our ways of working. And I think the um, the connection point between the work that we do day to day and the podcast is that it really is about taking action yourself in your team, in your context, not waiting for the whole system to somehow figure out how to fix it in one grand you know, sweep. Um, that's, not, that's not how this goes. This is, this is a hand-to-hand, day-to-day, moment-to-moment game. And it's not to say that we don't believe in large-scale change or that it's possible to really flip a system on its head. We do, but it happens at first through a set of people saying, you know what, I'm just not going to take it anymore. 
Mm-hmm. We're going to have to flip this bureaucracy over and we're going to do it by changing how we meet or by changing how we decide or by changing how we share information within the scope of the group that I either have influence over or have the ability to bring this idea to. That's where it's going to start. And what's interesting about that kind of Kaizen sort of change is that it's connected to these ideas of emergence, of the adjacent possible, of realizing what we can do right now that's actually real and rooted in the complexity of our system. And then later, interesting patterns emerge. Suddenly, different things collide, different mindsets shift. And when there's enough momentum, you can have that Kaikaku style, like massive you know, change that says, hey, we're going to um, change how we budget as a whole company, or we're going to change how we structure as a whole company. But it's harder, I think, and in some cases more disruptive and more painful to do that one day by ripping the Band-Aid off than it is to make some space in the mindsets and the hearts of the people involved with a little bit of this um, self-directed uh, looping, as we call it, this self-directed kind of learning by, by doing. And so I think the show is about both. Yeah. One thing I've learned doing this work is that there's always going to be someone who could hold you back. If you're an individual contributor, it's the jackass on your team who says no to everything, or it's the manager. If you're the manager, it's the department head. And if you're the department head, it's the C-suite. If you're the CEO, it's the board. And if you're the board, it's the shareholders (laughs) or the investors. Like, There's always going to be someone who can say no. And so the question is, when do we just decide to stop waiting for everyone to say yes and figure out what table we have to flip over ourselves? Because- About three in four workers surveyed say that they have some agency to change many aspects of their job. So we're just looking to find the coalition of those people who are sick of it and who want to use whatever agency they have to do things differently and differently in a way that feels more humane, that feels more suited for the century that we live in, and that generally makes work less miserable. It reminds me of this notion that most people hold that somehow it's only going to be the new companies, the new founders, the startups, the, you know, the sort of grassroots movement that flips things over and changes it, that sort of creative destruction. Mm -hmm. But I just worry that that's going to take too long. We don't have a lot of time. I mean, we have crises to deal with, ecological, political, economic, social, that all require a different way of working, a different way of coming together to solve problems and create things. And I just kind of want to get going. And with Mm -hmm. big institutions that aren't going anywhere, they're going to have to play. And so how can we get them to play? If you're starting something new, you have this huge advantage of the white sheet of paper. I think the show can really inform what goes on that piece of paper (laughs) and save you a lot of sleepless nights in the future um, and maybe give you a couple as well. Um, And and then I think, you know, for those that that are part of an important institution, you know, this is a calling. And I think the show is going to be able to offer a lot of advice about how to one step at a time, really change the the foundations of those systems and change what it feels like to be a part of them. I mean, one of the coolest things about working with our clients is you see people in systems that are just really frustrated and disengaged, turn it around in six months time and be fired up. Mm -hmm. And that gets me excited too. Right. We hear from all of the talking heads about how much information we're processing, about speed of technology, about number of connections in a networked world, around uncertainty and VUCA and blah, blah. You know, you hear it all day long. (laughs) Our answer to that is to look at principled, simple rules 
and focusing on the how of getting work done. I don't want to have any more conversations about just stripping three pennies out of the supply chain. I want to have a conversation (laughs) about the million dollars that we waste on one particular weekly meeting because I just don't think the former is where the efficiency is coming from. I think the latter is where the adaptability is coming from. And that's what I'm interested in every single person who has a job trying to create. Well, and not only that, but I mean, let's think about things beyond the pennies as well, right? We know that the purpose of business is not just to generate return for shareholders, that it can create impact in myriad different ways for both the present generation and future generations. And I just feel like it's really nice to connect with companies that are able to walk and chew gum at the same time, Mm -hmm. create interesting products that shake things up, make money and uh, impact the world in a way that they can, you know, look in the mirror at night and feel good about. And that really to me is the bar. When I say what's stopping you from doing the best work of your life, the best work of your life in no one's head is like, oh, I shaved a penny off of a really short-term transaction today. Right. Like the best work of your life is going to be connected to community and impact and future generations, as well as using your best gifts, as well as generating a return for your investment of time and energy. And that's that's what we have to do. Right. Okay. So with that in mind, um, with all those lofty ambitions <laughs> now into a 40-minute podcast, um, <laughs> why don't we talk a little bit about how the show is going to be structured? So you're not just going to be hearing uh, our lovely voices, but other voices as well, because the concept of the show is a very brief check-in with the two of us, a discussion where we unpack one particular challenge or area of interest in the organization, and then a more interesting and a more nuanced conversation with a guest, someone that has been there before, that you know has created a company or changed a way of working and is known for it or has lived to tell the tale. Um, and we'll get their take as well. And it might line up perfectly with ours, which is great. It might be completely orthogonal and take us in a completely different direction or even argue with what we put forth. And that's okay. I think we want this to be a little bit of a space for collision. So you can take away something that is valuable to you, whatever that might be. What we talked about in the consideration of structure and participation in this show is that there are a lot of futurist thinkers out there who spend a lot of time talking to one another. And we spend a lot of time inside of organizations trying new things, failing with some frequency, using our own company as a laboratory to really push (laughs) our thinking and push the wildest kinds of practices to bring us toward this future state of meaning and adaptivity. And we just thought it would be more interesting for you all to hear from the people who are trying it than the people who are thinking about trying it. So we're going to bring you those people who have actually done stuff. In some ways, that's why we created the OS Canvas, just a way to sort of break it down and be like, don't just think about it as this massive culture that you have to change through some alchemy or some magic. Think about like, what do we believe about structure? What do we believe about resource allocation? What do we believe about mastery, about membership, about compensation? Like each of these things is a building block. They are not technically separate. They they commingle and bleed into each other every which way. But just to think about the business from specific angles for a moment can unlock a lot of possibilities. So I'm excited to to do a show that will do exactly that and that in the aggregate will give you kind of a bigger story, a bigger um, narrative and a bigger ambition. Okay, I think that's enough to get started. Um, If you're ready to jump in with us, our first episode is available now wherever you get your podcasts and we will see you very soon. 
Ready, set, go. 